It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Welcome to the Money Guy Show, guys. This is your host, Brian Preston, sitting here with Bo Hansen. And um, it's been a wild two weeks. I, I want to kind of tell you how things went down last Friday when we recorded the last podcast. We came in early because we knew we had a client meeting right after the podcast. We recorded the show. And then um, one of the worst things that can happen to you happened. And, and I want you to, I think this show is going to hit a lot of you because it, it, unfortunately you don't choose these things to happen, but they pop up on you. So we're sitting in this client meeting. My wife calls my cell phone. Well, you know, I, I love my wife, but I try not to interrupt client um, meetings. So I, I send it right to voicemail. And then um, she texts me that she's just been in an accident. So, you know, immediately my, my stomach sinks down and I'm trying to figure out, oh my goodness, how bad is it? And then I start getting phone calls from people I know in the community who have ridden by and said, hey, did you know that your wife's been in an accident? So I knew that because it was right in the middle of town. So, um, and they were like, the car, the bumper's not even on the car anymore. So I knew that this was somewhat intense. So I had to leave the meeting um, early and then got over there, and sure enough, it was um, pretty intense. We the we had somebody who was driving a Ford, Ford Expedition. I don't know if they were texting, if they were on their phone. Police report didn't say that. But they um, didn't even hit the brakes. She was turning left into a place and waiting patiently to turn left for traffic to you know clear up on the other side of the road so she could cross, and this guy didn't even hit the brakes and piled into the back of her. Fortunately, um, none of our kids were in the car, and she wasn't hurt she's well i say she wasn't hurt she's still having some residual issues but um she's still you know pretty much in one piece which is which is good um we're, we're still working through everything else and it, it's kind of been scary but it's one of those things where you, you're just happy that that she's able to function so i i, I that's one of those things when these things happen is it's that friday afternoon type thing or Tuesday afternoon, you never know when it's going to happen. You don't prepare for it when you wake up in the morning, brush your teeth, get ready for work, and and then something like this happens. You're like, whoa, you know, how did this happen? I, w I want you guys, since it's going to be something that you're not going to know is coming your way, this is probably a good preparatory podcast to listen to. Now, we did something like this. Unfortunately, my wife was in another accident back in December of 2007. So we had done a podcast on this back in 2008, the early part of 2008, talking about this. And I want to kind of just add some things because every time you go through a life event, it feels like I learn even more. So I wanted to kind of share some of the things I've even learned from this case because it's completely different. The last time I was in an accident, the woman who hit my wife, neither one of these, by the way, were my wife's fault. She's minding her own business and other poor drivers run into her. Um, but the thing I've realized is that there's a huge difference on how auto accidents go depending upon if the person who hits you, assuming it's not your fault, has got good insurance. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that in a second because it is a learning experience. First, let me back up a little bit because you can tell I have a passion about this discussion because it is hitting some, something that hits pretty close to home. But um, let me give you the website uh, that you can check us out if you want to go see show notes and get links is money-guy.com. You can also write the show at Brian, B-R-I-E-N, at money-guy.com. And I also wanted to just let you guys know, I think one of the biggest advantages, I don't brag about it enough, 
It is our archives. Is that just like I had this accident, I, I knew we were going to have to do some follow-up, so um, I went and pulled up our archives on the Money Guy website and pulled up the, the, the podcast we did and the show notes we did back in 2008. And I think you guys, hopefully if you've been listening for a while, you've probably noticed that, yeah, there's, that sometimes you'll be doing something and go, wait a minute, I think there's a better way to do this. There's a way to save some money off of this. Or, I, you know, before I make that contribution, let me, let me go see what Brian and, and Bo had to say about that. Um, I want you to, to know, if once you're a premium member, you can get access to all of our archives. And, you know, we have dropped the price of the premium section now. It is now... Um, 29 is it 99 bow or is 29 it 29.97 29.97 so um, that that's the price we have dropped it down there's other things we do commentary uh, you know a few other research items but primarily I think the the big value is is that you now have access to all of our historical information um, and show notes so that, so it, it's valuable just like it was for this case with, with the auto accident so let's let's move forward so we, we get in this accident, and I want to go ahead and tell you some things that I've learned from my insurance company. And this doesn't even have to deal with accidents. It's just something that's going to help you, is that I'm one of these people that has a high deductible on my insurance plan. And the reason I have a high deductible on my auto plan is because I'm scared of insurance companies. You know, my wife has dinged the garage a few times, and, and, and you know, and we've had other issues pop up. I don't report them to the insurance company because usually they're, they're minor things. You know, a three or four hundred dollar repair. It's better for me to pay for that out of my pocket than to go to the insurance company because you know what happens when you use your insurance. Your premiums go up. So a lot of you are probably riding around with two hundred fifty dollar deductibles, but you have the same apprehension about using your insurance. And if that's the case, what are you doing? You're overpaying for your insurance on something you're not willing to use anyway. So I'd recommend a lot of people, if you do have a 250 deductible on your insurance, you, and you have cash reserves, you have the ability to cover some of the financial loss if you're in an accident, go ahead and push that up to $1,000. But listen to this next thing I want to tell you, which is a huge advantage. One thing that even if you have a $1,000 deductible that you can't protect yourself from is you're riding down the road and somebody kicks up a rock. And that daggum rock dings your windshield, cracks the windshield, or, or it does something to you, well, now what do you do? You know, because this is stuff that's probably going to happen to you. I mean, there is nothing worse than you get a new car, or you've had a car you, that you love, and, you know, you use it for family vacations, and then, daggone, if you don't get a crack in the windshield, you kind of, if, if you're like me, and maybe it's because I'm practically functional OCD, <laughs> Bo's laughing at that, is that all I can look at when I drive that car is that daggum crack on the windshield after it happens. And I don't know why that's the case, but that's the way it is with me. Well, here's the, the tip. A lot of insurance policies will let you have glass coverage, which means that if you have a chip on the windshield or a crack in the windshield, you can get it repaired or replaced by the insurance company without having to pay any of your deductible. And I don't even really think it counts that much against you. And, you know, and I, I'll tell you, I, I before I realized, there, this is the learning experience, is that I didn't know I could have this coverage. And, and shame on me for not knowing that. I th You know, I, I feel like I know a lot, but I can't know everything. And I didn't even know that this was an option, this glass coverage with my insurance carrier. So my, my car had a chipped windshield. Replaced the windshield, I think it was in the $350, $400 range, because I, you know, cars these days is the, the more sophisticated they get, the more expensive things are to repair. Well, you know how much it costs to have chip windshield coverage or auto glass coverage? 
I just added it to my policy because I found out from another insurance agent, hey, why don't you have glass coverage? It's like 20, 25 bucks a year. So I could have been paying, you know, this coverage for the next 10, 15 years without even covering the cost of the insurance. And that's something you guys might want to take into account. Raise your premium. I mean, raise your, your deductible, not premium. That's what we're trying to get away from. Raise your deductible and then add some glass coverage. Because those are the type of things that, yes, you're going to have to get them repaired. Because if you're like me, functional OCD, that crack is going to drive you crazy. Uh, but it's one of those things you can save the money. The other thing I'll, I'll tell you I've learned from this accident, and then we'll get into the tips of actually how to go through what happens after you have an accident. But I want to just give you some tips on things you need to do before an accident occurs just to make sure you're protected. The last time I was in, in an accident, you know, we had no trouble getting the other insurance company to increase our rental car coverage because they were on the hook for everything. And, and that, so it was great. We, we, we had a, my wife had a Highlander. We were in a wreck with the Highlander, the third row Highlander. We need three rows because we carpool and do all kinds of other things with kids. So the insurance company, you know, after we asked the right questions, and I'm going to go over that in a minute, they gave us, uh, you know, an equivalent car with a third row. And we didn't have to pay anything out of pocket. But if it's your claim... Say you are actually at fault with the accident, or you're lucky enough, and I say lucky with a smile on my face, to be involved with somebody who either doesn't have insurance or cruddy insurance that you have to end up going through your insurance anyway, you're going to have to be subject to the rental car rates that you have in your own policy. And I'll tell you, this is something that I have probably slipped up on a little bit is that I have $30 a day coverage. I want you to go if you if you you don't have to. This is this is kind of a a thing I'm going to say for illustration because I've already done this homework for you. If you go to enterprise.com or whatever rental car company is in your area and you go see what a $30 a day will get you. You're probably not going to like the results, especially if you're riding around in something that's comfortable. Because $30 a day doesn't get you much. Uh, so I, w- I would recommend, and it doesn't cost much more, figure out what it really costs to rent an equivalent car of what you have and go ahead and ask your insurance company to increase your daily, I mean, your your weekly rental w- rate to that. Because that's, that's, what you, that's what you're going to need to protect yourself. And I'm running into that, but I found a workaround because, hey, we're the money guy show. I can't stand to give away money. So I found a workaround. This is something a lot of people don't know is, insurance companies rent by the day. That, that's the rates they, they reimburse by the day. Guess what you can do? You can get a better deal than the insurance companies if you rent by the week. And if anybody's ever been involved in an accident, you, can, you know that it's probably going to take three, four weeks to get the issue settled. So, you know... What's going on with me is I have $30 a day. And I'm going to tell you why, even though this has nothing to do with my wife causing being at fault, while I'm having to pay attention to my own insurance rates, is that I have $30 a day allowance for a rental car. So since it's $30 a day, and the equivalent of what we need is actually $55 a day, that's a lot of money. That's almost double of what coverage I have. But here's the solution. Go on the internet and rent it by the week. It comes to be about, before tax, about $32 a day. There's your solution. And that's exactly what I'm doing is I'm paying. But the thing is, is that to get the insurance company to pay, they said, 
Brian, I'm, I'm Mr. Preston. We're so sorry. We can't. We do everything based upon per day prices. We can't do the week. That's something. I said. Well, how about this? I said, how about if I pay for the rental car and you guys reimburse me? Oh, that'll work. Well, hey, the money's coming. You know, out of the same pot. If I can, if I can get it where I'm only paying forty dollars a week for the bigger SUV for my family, so we can carpool instead of just because of, because of logistics, I'm going to pay close to hundred to one hundred and fifty dollars a week. By all means, let's just do the reimbursement route. And I want to tell you, these are ways you have to be creative when you're dealing with these type of situations to figure out the best way to minimize your expenses and what you have coming out the door. Now, let's kind of talk about dealing with auto accidents. And I, I want to tell you also why I'm having to tell you about, you know, why I'm covering my things. Even though my wife was not at fault, we were one of the lucky ones. We were lucky because the person that piled into the back of my wife, listen to these, this is like, this is almost comical how things went down. The person who hit my wife was in a car that was purchased on July 16th. Okay, car was purchased on July 16th. It was about a month ago, right? No. A little bit less than a July month ago. July 16th was, you know, I mean, we're, we're on August 6th today, so that wasn't that long. Remember, there's two accident happened about two weeks ago. So July 16th, we have the we have the um the purchase the accident occurred on July 23rd well okay so that makes it a little gray oh gosh you know and I'll tell you well, usually when you buy a car everybody knows you're you if you're replacing an existing car uh, your your old policy kind of covers it you have a you have a window of period to report it to your insurance company that you have a new car but it still makes it a little grayer than it is if you bought the car two years ago and you have insurance on it so that, that makes things bad. Second thing is, dude driving the car, lives in the house with the insured person, the owner of the vehicle, but is not listed on the policy. Score. You know, this is one of those bad situations where the, comp- the person who hit us was um, not on the policy and the insurance company were dealing with a substandard. And what do I mean by saying a substandard insurance company? This is for the people who have cruddy, cruddy driving records. Can't get insurance anywhere else, but because Georgia requires all drivers to have car insurance, they these companies are pop up to provide the bare minimum. And these guys, I, I'm just, I, I can't think of anything else to say. They don't pay jack because their whole purpose is to collect premiums, give you an insurance card, but it's not really to provide insurance. That truly is my, my thought on the process after dealing with these these turkeys is that they have um so we go through the process of filing a claim and uh, let me explain what happens after you get in an automobile accident the first thing you need to do is if you have a phone i think about every phone out there in the world has a camera in it now Um, it used to be the advice i'd give you is keeping your glove compartment a disposable camera because if you're ever in an accident you've got to immediately take some pictures take some pictures of the of the scene take pictures of the license plates of the vehicles involved, all the accidents, even take a picture of the area so you can see if there's skid marks in the road, you know, so you can, if you ever had to go to court or something, you've got everything to protect you. So you've got to, you've got to have all that laid out for you. So you want to take the the insurance and I'm reaching behind me to to find another article. I'm going to pull one out here. Here we go. But you, you want to have that camera so to take the pictures and have some type of record of everything. 
You also want to then go take all the information. You know, you want to get the driver's license number, the name, the address, the, the insurance company, the policy number. If the, if the driver is different from the owner, you've got to get the owner's name, the owner information. You've got to get all that type of stuff to protect yourself. And if it's, if it's something that looks like it's, you know, because there's also the, this urge that you want to settle sometimes if it's a little minor ding um, and not get the police involved to get a police report or an accident report, I should say. But I got, I got to tell you, be careful because the damage might be more than you think. If there's damage to your car that that's, you can look at and say, ooh, that hurt, then go ahead and get a, a, an accident report. I think that's going to save you a lot of heartache. And then write down the names and addresses of anybody who's an act, you know, a witness to the accident. I think that's very, very important. And then, you know, so you get all the information exchanged, you take the photographs and document the accident, you get the police to file an accident report, You've got all that taken care of. So then after you do that, and, and it's, it's pretty easy to determine who's been at fault. If you, you, know, you probably want to notify your insurance carrier, even if you're not at fault, of that this is going on. But just tell your agent, look, I'm not ready to file a claim. I don't, hopefully we won't have to do that. We're going to go through their insurance company. You call their insurance company with the policy number of the person who's in you know, the, the insurance company, and they will give you a claim number. Because hopefully your person's are the, the your person who hits you is already notifi- notified their insurance company. So they they go ahead and a claim number is set up, and then that's when you're going to have to then get set up the rental car, and 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 get your car to the body shop too. And this is the thing: the rental car. When we first did this a few years ago with the other accident, they try to give you the minimum. You have to know that you can ask for more, especially if it's not your fault. You know, if you're in an accident with somebody else at fault, just ask the question. Tell them that they need to give you the equivalent thing for your lifestyle. So that that's a really good piece of advice. And then if you're at fault, this hopefully if you've taken the advice I've given you on pushing up your insurance to coverage to actually get you an equivalent car, you'll be taken care of on that too. But all this is very interesting because I, I followed all these rules that I'm telling you. But then because it's a deadbeat insurance company that's only there just to give the piece of paper so that people don't get arrested when the police pull them over, then they deny claims a lot easier. And they, and they really have no desire to, to make you whole, even if it's their policyholder that, that, that was at fault. So when, when these things happen, you have to go through what's called subrogation. And subrogation means that you have your insurance company go after the other insurance company. And it's fine. I'll tell you, working with my insurance company has been much easier than working with the other insurance company. But the problem is, is that it slows down the process significantly because now they have to document, document, document because they're going to go after the other insurance company. And, and that's something you have to, to, to pay attention to so you understand everything that's going on. It's also important that you understand how good your body shop is. I think, Bo, you've seen me dealing with this, and this has been a headache. I, I think you've noticed I've lost some sleep over this at night. Um, it, it's just been uh, my wife and I had a plan. You know me. I'm the money guy show here. I try to plan everything. We had already come to the agreement she was going to drive her paid-for car. All of my cars are paid for for two more years. Two more years we were going to drive this beautiful paid-for car. Don't they drive so much better when they're paid for? I mean, mine drive incredibly well when they're paid for. We are going to make it two more years before we got our another car. Looks like that decision is going to be taken out of our hand because the car is really messed up. 
And this is the thing is that they will, anytime you're in an accident, and this is a big one because the previous accident, it could have been a $2,500 mistake. This one, there's no telling what it is because this is standard operating procedure when you're in an accident. I don't care if it's your insurance company or whatever, but when you're in an accident, after the adjuster comes out, takes pictures, and estimates what's going on with your car, they're going to cut you a check, and it's going to be made payable to you. Not usually the body shop. It's actually made payable to you. And what they've done is they've taken a look externally of the vehicle, and they tried to guesstimate as much as best they can what the damage is. But guess what? Usually when they repair a car, they find additional stuff. But they're hoping, this was why the check is cutting your name, take the check, cash it, go away. Seriously, that's what they're hoping. But you've got to be very, very careful. Because just like the last accident I was in, I, I, I should have said $1,200 mistake looking back at the old show notes, is that they, sent, they, they actually sent over a check that was about $2,100. Well, the actual repairs cost between $2,500 and $2,600. So it was about a $500 difference there. Plus the $800 in rental car fees because we had to rent the car for th over three weeks. They don't cover that when they just cut you a check. So be very careful before you're tempted. I know in these economic times where money might be a little tighter, you're tempted just to put that money in the bank and use it for other things, it might not truly repair the car. So like this accident right now, they've predicted the damage is already externally just looking at it $7,800. Well, I know when they get in there, it's going to be more. Plus the damage of the things that were in the car. Got to get a new baby car seat. We lost um, our gate clicker for the neighborhood. There's all kinds of things that were, that were damaged. You've got to be careful about taking those checks. I mean, the insurance companies aren't necessarily trying to cheat you. It's just their job is to get out of the claim as cheaply as possible. And it's important for you to be educated to know what your rights are and what's available to you so that you get everything you're entitled to and make you whole. That's the purpose of what you're trying to do. So it's, it's, I'm trying to think of everything else that, you know, as you can tell, is even though this is two weeks old now, we're still in the middle of it. So we've had a rental car already two weeks, and I'll tell you, my car is still sitting at the body shop all taken apart and nothing's been done to it. Because now you have to get in the negotiation with the rental car company because they call me and initially tell me they're going to repair the car. Well, this is where you have to stand up for yourself also. It's because when they told me how much the damage was, I said, guys, I'm not so sure I want that car back with that much damage because I had a, the witness who called me after the car accident and said, oh, I feel so sorry for you and your wife because she goes, I'll tell you what happened to me and my daughter who was in an accident very similar to yours is that she was in a car accident, had the repairs done, and then her seatbelt stopped working. The, the monitor, you know, the alarm kept going off all, you know, all the time. So she took it into Honda. Well, Honda said it was covered under warranty unless you were in a severe accident. Well, guess what? You have over 50% value of work done on your car. It's a severe accident. It's going to show up on that Carfax report. It's also going to avoid out a lot of your warranty stuff. These things, I, I just don't know if you want a car after it's been severely, severely hit. And that's what you're working through. So when they tell me this, I straight up said, I don't know I want this car back. 
and we started negotiating on what, and we're still in it. I don't even know how this is going to go out, but I think that things are starting to, to tip more towards that, that they're going to work with me and they're going to give us some type of cash settlement. And there's the bad part. I have to go buy another car, which has caused me even more stress. Because remember, two years, guys, two years driving that beautifully paid for car. Now we've got to go buy something else. Funny how life is. And I think sometimes this is the sense of humor that, you know, is thrown my way just because I am the uber planner, you know, to keep me agile, keep me on my feet. You know, so so we're going to work with it. I think Bo will be glad. Bo, you'll be glad when this car situation's gone, won't you? I literally cannot wait. Because I, I you know, I sound okay today. I, I've actually kind of pepped up a little bit. I will tell you, though, for the first week after this accident, I kind of moped around the office a little bit. Kind of? <laughs> Come on now. It, yeah, it's true. I did. I moped. Because I cannot stand. I mean, I'm so happy my wife is safe. But I'm upset that this really puts a ding in our in our financial planning goals. It really does, because now we're going to have to pay for a car because it, it just it just puts things a little out of order. So be prepared, do your research. You've got to know what you have the right to do to make sure you maximize everything that's coming to you. Now, we 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 need to close this thing out in a little bit. We're already about 25 minutes into it, but there's one other article. Hey, and please feel free under the comments section if you've been in accidents or or been treated wrong, use use the website as a forum for essentially y'all sharing ideas amongst each other. I always like it when you leave comments sharing how you've been impacted by something or if this advice was good for you. That, that stuff helps out. You can also go out to iTunes and give some feedback. That's always what's been cracking me up recently, everybody. Y'all been giving Bo some positive feedback. He does one podcast and somehow he's getting he's gotten comments on you know on iTunes and other things. Uh, it cracks me up and and he's smiling. Uh, I I think I'm watching his head go. <laughs> I think I see it growing as we speak. But um, obviously you did a good job, Bo, because we still are getting positive feedback from your your young person's podcast. So we did that uh, probably about a month ago. Go check it out. I was out of town. So on vacation. Yeah, I was on vacation that week. So. I was trying to see if it was something business related so I could not <laughs> act like I was doing something fun. But um, there was an article that came out that was kind of troubling. I don't know. I, I feel like, can I tell you how I feel, guys? And and, and I hope, uh, you know, always, when you hear a statement like that, that's a qualifier saying I'm probably going to get myself in trouble here. But I do feel like I've always been a square. I'm straight up a square. I've always followed the rules. Um, I'm boring. I mean, I can't think of anything else to say about it. I've always, I've just felt like if I do the right things through life, things will work out. I really do believe that. Clean living. Clean living is always, and it's kind of worked out. I've followed the rules. I've studied hard. I've, you know, I don't come from money. I've made some decisions that have, have worked out well to where, yes, some things are going our way. And I got to tell you, in the last few years, I've started feeling like the system's working against me. I mean, it, it, it's like every time I do something, it's um, there's something going on that, that kind of doesn't reward the right thing. I, I feel like we're kind of pushing up against that moral hazard of the world right now. It's because, you know, a lot of things, I've told you guys in the past, I had a family friend who had to file bankruptcy when I was growing up, and that was like he had the scarlet A around his neck, if you if you know what I'm talking about. If you ever read those books, um, which book is that, Bo? Did you did you have to read the 
Scarlet Letter. It's it's called the Scarlet Letter, isn't it? Yeah, but it's um what was the the woman's name in that? Do you remember? It doesn't matter. Don't oh, don't you go go Google it. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna show how it, we're we're math minded. Obviously, not great literary literary people. But anyway, the thing I know is that it seems like we've lost that in society. It seems like the the red badge that you wear when you do things like bankruptcy and other thing have lost their thing. And I hear about the government's going to bail out people who are underwater on their mortgages. You know, there's all these tax breaks for, for certain things that I, I just, I'm going to get some people saying, quit complaining, you're successful, you should give back. You know, and, and I do. I, we're very charitable around here. We do things. But I think we have to be very careful. And then I see articles that say, credit card fees transfer wealth to the rich, study finds. And, and you know, and this was put, came out on July 26 by Christina Cook, and it says that um, credit card fees and reward programs exasperate income inequality by acting as a transfer of wealth from the poor to rich, according to a Federal Reserve Bank of Boston study released Monday. The researchers argue argue that reducing card rewards and merchant fees would likely increase consumer welfare. Really, guys? This is what we're going to focus on now? Is that I have rebate cards that, that gets money back, and I guarantee a lot of you guys out in the audience have rebate cards and frequent flyer mile cards that you are out there robbing the poor for, for these things. I did, I, I, the whole premise of this article really troubles me because it, um, it says, after accounting for rewards paid by banks, households who earn over $150,000 annually receive a subsidy... Now, those are rewards, not subsidies. Rewards. Remember, Christina, don't, don't, don't change things. Of $756 on average every year, while the households earning $20,000 or less pay $23. Okay, so it says financial regulatory reform signed into law last week gives the Federal Reserve responsibility for regulating fees associated with debit, but not credit cards. The researchers said that the transfer of wealth highlighted by their study may be a concern that U.S. individuals, businesses, or public policymakers should wish to address. I think we have to be careful. You know, I go to warehouse clubs and shop. Buy my toilet paper, my paper towels, at Sam's, BJ's, whatever wholesalers, you know, warehouse club is there. I'm getting a lot better deal on those paper towels and those cans of Coke that I buy at Sam's than I would be if I went into the convenience store and bought it on my way home from work at the gas station. Should we ask the Federal Reserve to go in and, and make sure that us wholesale purchase members are not getting a, a, an unequal opportunity over those poor convenience store purchasers? Apply this to investing. You know, Institutional funds, funds that we use institutional funds here at the office because those are mutual funds that usually have minimums of $1 million, $2 million, $3 million, $4 million, $5 million, whatever the mutual fund company sets up that allows you to buy mutual funds at about half the price of what the public's getting, the retail sector's getting. Is that fair? That we get these funds at half the price? The reason is because we can buy them in big bulk. It's the system set up that way. I think we have to be very careful. I think everything in life needs to have equal opportunity. I don't want anything limiting your opportunity. But does that mean equal outcome? I don't think so.
I think we have to be very careful when we start saying credit card fees transfer wealth to the rich. I mean, this is, I don't know, it kind of cracks me up that this is um, where they went with this article. So I'll, I'll see if Bo can put a link to this article out there. Uh, there's no doubt, you know, it used to be back in the, the day that you could go to gas stations and other things, and yeah, cash-based people, if you're going to pay with cash, maybe you should pay a few cents less for your gas. You know, that's why even when you go and, and you do services, sometimes if you offer to pay in cash, you can get a better deal because they don't have to pay the credit card fees. But don't mandate behavior. I think we, we have much bigger problems to worry about than whether my $756 that the average person make over $150,000 is something that the federal government should get themselves involved in. I think it's silly. Bo, you have any input? Yeah, no, I was going to change the tone a little bit because that was kind of a, not ominous, but, you know, that was a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end on a happy note. Can I end on a happy note? You saying I didn't give us a happy podcast today? No, 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 no. The podcast, sound, I, I probably didn't because no, 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 I mean, I'm still mad about this uninsured person hitting me. I'm mad about the, the, the other thing. So it, it, it is what it is. So, and, and, and can I say one other thing? That Just go ahead and before you give your sunshine, let me give you another bad thing that I'm mad about. Bing cashback is gone. Gone. How many times did I tell you guys about Bing and their cashback? I know I got the announcement probably about a month ago or a month and a half ago, and a bunch of you guys emailed me saying, Brian, can you believe that Bing cashback is gone? No, I'm in mourning over it. It's sad. It really is. I was getting all kind of deals. I mean, I, I bought something for golf that I got 25% cash back on. I mean, this is something that's price controlled. Meaning that it doesn't matter where you buy this this piece of equipment they use for it's a rangefinder. I don't know why I'm trying to hide what I bought. I bought a rangefinder, you know, where you look at the fat flag stick and it tells you how many yards you are out. You know, I'm not a good golfer, but man, do I love my gadgets. And I, you know, got this thing. It's price controlled, so everywhere you go, it doesn't matter if you go to a sporting goods store, if you go on the internet, it's all the same price everywhere, pretty much. I got a cash back of 25% on it. Yeah, beat the system is what that feels like. You know, but it's gone. Kind of sad. That's a perfect segue into what, what I was going to mention. Um, you know, Let's hear some good news then, Mr. Hansen. Let's you, go ahead and do it. You talked about the uh, you know the credit card and how the rewards it you know it disproportionately rewards uh, the rich, and then you also talked about how Bing is gone. So now we've lost a way to get some extra money back. Well, I can't remember if it was Bankrate or Consumer Reports came out with an article um, a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago now, and it did a credit card review. Do you remember we touched on that yeah, one of our yeah. other podcasts? And what was the, the number one best credit card that, that they had mentioned? It was the Fidelity card that it, we all have. It was the Fidelity Benefits card, and it's actually the same card that you and I have. And so um, I love this card. I get 2% back on all my purchases. Well, That's everything, by the way, guys. 2%. That's pretty sweet. On everything. And so I actually got a letter in the mail last week, and I think Brian's holding it right now. You want to you read that letter, Brian? Yeah, now, and I got a different one because Bo has the retail version. I've got the black version, which is like the platinum. Which, which means Bo has the cheap version of the card, <laughs> and true. Brian was okay paying a little bit more for his. <laughs> but anyway, here's what the letter says, and I'll tell you what my advantage was after this. Dear Bo Hansen, everyone loves dinner and a movie. It's an American classic. Whether you hit the cinema or relax at home, 
Now there's another reason to love it. We'll give you up to 20% cash back when you use your Rewards American Express card at these merchants through September 30th, 2010. We've got 10% back at Outback Steakhouse. We've got 10% at Carrabba's Italian Grill. 20% back at Subway. How often do we eat at Subway that's what I was How many times do we eat Subway? And now I can get 20% off of our meal every time I swipe my card. The problem is you never pay. Fandango, 20% <laughs> cash back, 10% Barnes & Noble, and then 20% Netflix. And y'all know I love Netflix. If you don't use Netflix streaming and you're a gadget person, you're behind. I mean, I have Netflix streaming in every room in my house that has a TV. Uh, upstairs, I've got, and I don't mean to go on a, a, a sidebar, but you've got to check this out. I've got my PS3, you can get Netflix. And downstairs, my DVD Blu-ray player has Netflix in it. And then I have a Roku wireless player in my bedroom TV. Go check it out. But 20% back on Netflix. And then, Bo, I think, what did I get? 3% or 5%? I think it... Uh, it was either 3 or 5% back on grocery stores. Mine was more broad-based. It was grocery stores, restaurants, and gas. I got either 3 or 5% back. It might have been 5% up to... There was a maximum... Um, like yours is up to 25% cash back. I think mine kind of resulted in 25 was the maximum right. but it was it worked out the percentage wise but but so cool po- point being if you if you own uh, if you're a user of the fidelity credit card this offer is good through September 30th so hey you know if you go out to eat at subway and you have the same kind of card as I do why not use it and save 20% you know pay 80% for that meal we well, have to enroll for this is kind of you know how discover card makes you enroll and chase rewards makes you reward, re- enroll that is the only thing i will tell you credit cards have gotten where like I used to have a Chase card, and you guys know what I'm talking about because I talked about it so many times, and a few of you had jumped in before they shut it down and changed it, where you get 5%. I used to get 5% back on grocery stores, drug stores, gas. I think that's about it, but it, that's incredible because I was able to change my behavior where I was really maximizing these rewards. Well, obviously, they're giving us way too much money because they um, they shut those programs down they lowered them to 3%. I still have the same thing, but now they've gone to the typical thing. I like Discover Card um, to a degree. It doesn't offer the product protection, the, the extended warranty protection that the, the MasterCard, the American Express, and the Visa American Express has the best rewards on getting those extended warranties and so forth. So Discover Card does not offer those things, but I don't like how they, they make you now to get some of these rewards. You have to enroll in these programs. That's why the Fidelity card has been a good one for us is because it's just 2% on everything. makes it really easy uh, instead of you having to figure out, is this the, oh gosh, is the fall when movies I get 5% or is the fall when travels 5%? That's just, I got too many things in my head already to try to keep up with that. So uh, I like these cards that keep it simple. But great point. That it probably is a positive way. And guys, if I did sound down, I'm sorry. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, you don't count on these accents. You, you, you kind of, and you have to deal with the financial issues. Um, it will be fine. I thank you guys for listening to the show. You know I think the world of you. I love it when you have different opinions than me. It's okay. You're not going to hurt my feelings. As long as you're polite. And if you, if you, if you know, if you write me and tell me I'm a, a, an SOB or a son of a gun, for, for just doing a podcast, then, then you're not being reasonable. But if you have a different opinion, tell us. You know, Share it on the comments. We love that type of stuff. You can also go check us out at money-guy.com. Bo, do you have anything else before I close this thing out? No, sir. So money-guy.com. You can write me at brian, B-R-I-E-N, at money-guy.com. But I am your host, Brian Preston. 
Um, maybe I'll give you some updates from time to time as I deal with the insurance companies. But if you have any questions, concerns, feel free. Put them in on the comments section or write us directly at the show. We will talk to you in about two weeks. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. And Brian Preston is a partner with Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.